if I could call this morning's message anything, I would probably call it what's next or so now what. Um, we spent the last 14 weeks talking about some core values and um, it's like now you're going, no, not that graphic again. Um, <laughs> promise it's the last time you'll see it. There comes a point when we have to kind of stop all the teaching, right? And we have to kind of pull ourselves together and ask questions like this. So what do I do with that? Um, now that you've taught me all this stuff, uh, what's the bottom line? And so th this morning, that's kind of the whole point of the teaching this morning. It's going to be very practical, very simple, um, hopefully easy to apply, even if we don't like how we might have to apply it, okay? And then we can think about it while we're eating later. I got three points, only three, and then I'll give you um, one statement that you can take away from here. So it's, and I love that. Like, like, if you don't remember one thing, just remember this one. The one thing, I'll give that to you at the end, okay? So you'll take that with you. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can go ahead and turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And while you're turning there, let me just share Colossians 1.24. You can just kind of jot that down in the margin. Colossians 1.24 says this. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now the only reason I want you to hear that verse is because um, you ever hear Christians that like say Christian stuff? Right? Like we have our own little language. Like, um, anybody, is anybody a Tim Hawkins fan? Tim Hawkins is a hilarious guy. I'm not going to do his little routine, but, you know, he does this great routine about the hedge of protection and how Satan apparently can't get through shrubbery. I love that. You know, um, we just have our own little language, and we are so guilty sometimes of saying things and assuming people know what they mean. And the body of Christ is one of those phrases, right? If you've been in church any of your life, you've heard Christians say, oh, the body of Christ. But if you've never been in church and you hear somebody say the body of Christ, you're going, where? Where is the Is it like a, a dead body? Is it hidden behind a piano? Where's the body of Christ? And so it's important for you to understand today because we're talking about body stuff. I, I almost want to say we're talking about body functions, but that wouldn't be probably the best way to phrase it, would it? Um, and then we'll be demonstrating at the end. Um, we're talking about body life, and so it's important that you understand where that concept comes from. It comes from Colossians 1.24, where Paul just said specifically, very clearly, he said, you know, I've done this for the sake of his body, Jesus, which is the church. So look at, look at the person next to you. Go ahead and get a good look at them. I know that they may not look like Jesus, but if they're Christian and they're in the church, then they are part of the body of Christ. All right, so when we talk about that, that's what it means. It's a kind of an old concept for churched people, but for people that aren't church, it's kind of new and it sounds a little bit odd, and, um, but it's important. So I want to make three statements today about what the Bible calls the body. Statement number one, this is when you start filling in the blanks. Um, in 1 Corinthians, it says, um, number one, there are many parts, but one body. There are many parts, but one body body, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, there are admittedly scriptures um, in the Bible that we read and go, huh? But then there are also scriptures, thankfully, that we read and go, well, duh. 
And this is one of them. Just very plain, very clear. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says this. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. Verse 14. Now the body is made up. Is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but only one body. This is one of those um, easy to understand. We don't have to dig into the Greek. We don't have to dissect the verse. We just kind of read it, and all of us go, well, of course. It makes total sense. And you know how you know this, right? Because you look in the mirror every day, and you look at your hand. Go ahead and look at your hand. Take a good look at it. I know you feel silly. Just look at your hand. Take a good look at it. Does that look like your foot? No. So we read this and go, okay, well, yeah, I get it. I'm like, do you have three bodies? No. See, even you got this. You got one body, right? Well, get it. Like, this is my hand, and it does not look at my foot, and this is my ear. It does not look like my elbow. Steve Martin, way back in the day, did this whole routine about, like, if you were missing certain body parts or if certain body parts played the, the function of another body part, what would your life be like? And it's like, what if your mouth was in your armpit and you had to eat like this? You know, I mean, you know. What if you only had one, one hand and you had to clap like this? Yeah, I, just, I mean, just we all get it. Like, this is not my foot, and this is, this is not my ear, and my, my eyes, not my nose. We look in the mirror and go, look, look, all these parts of my body are very different. But nobody looks in the mirror and says, oh, I got like 50,000 different body parts. I must have 50,000 bodies. Well, I mean, some people do, but they go to a special place. <laughs> we all get it. One body many parts. So this is one of those things that we read in the Bible and preachers thankfully don't have to talk a lot about it. We just get it. It just makes sense. Different parts, one awesome body. Um, Verses 17 through 20, we just read it. Just kind of jot this down. Diversity is what makes the body a body. Anybody here watch like CSI, you know, Law and Order, one of the 50,000 different varieties. Uh, you know, I love that. Like if they were out, somebody's out jogging in Central Park and they see an arm, what do they say when they call up the detectives? They don't go, I just found a body. No, I just found an arm. That's, they say they found a body when the whole body's there, which doesn't happen often on CSI, right? It's like a body part. I found an arm, and there's a finger about five feet away, and there's a head somewhere, and they show it to you, and you're like, oh, God, I don't want to see that. Diversity is what makes the body a body. I want you to remember that. There's many parts, one body. Number two, every part plays a part. Every part plays. Plays a part. Verses 21 through 26, he writes this, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While, while our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, 
so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Every part plays a part. I believe that we know this intuitively like we know the first point as well. But I don't think we really embrace this one. Okay? Let me just explain what I mean by that. Inevitably, we all start thinking that our part is just a bit better and just a bit more important. Inevitably, that's what happens. We agree that the look of the body includes variety, but we want the life of the body to match our part. Let me just see if I can explain this. Let's just say that you're really big into worship. I'm, I'm big into worship. I like worship a lot. And so that, that kind of feels like your part, right? So you've got, you sing on the worship team. You play an instrument. Before long, that becomes the most important part of the body of Christ in your mind. Now, if I walked up to you and said, but now you know many parts, one body. Oh, yeah, 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 I get that. Many parts, one body, absolutely. Man, that's duh. And I said, but now you know every part plays a part. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Yes, 100%. I mean, my part's a little more important, Pastor Paul. Because, I mean, if we didn't have my part, we don't have music, right? I heard somebody say one time to their pastor, like, if you don't have my program, people won't come to the church. Dude, you're fixing to die. I mean, God's going to kill you dead just to prove he does not need you. You know, know? I mean, that's like stuff you don't want to say out loud, but it's stuff that most of us sometimes think. My part's just, God, I know, I know every part's important, but I mean, you know God because you made me. I mean, so you know, right? I mean, I'm just a little bit more important. Every part plays a part. When, um, when you see it that way, that your part's a little bit better, it, you start to see other parts as dispensable, which is a really big word. But verse 22 says that on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker, and who do they seem to be weaker to? The people that have the better part, right? The ones that seem to be weaker, the Bible says, are indispensable. You know what the Greek word means there? Indispensable. <laughs> you can't do without it. Like, I really wanted to make this point that, not, that some of us are dispensable. Like, what I mean by that is if you choose not to obey God, he's more than able to pull somebody else in your place and make it happen. And then I read this and went, wow, like, that's not what it says. It actually says that the weaker parts are indispensable. When I was in college, um, I slept in a very small, tiny room in my, in my parents' house. And it was halfway from the front of the house to the back. And so I used to get up early. I did this thing one, one semester. I decided I'm going to get up really early, and I'm going to read the books in the Bible that Paul wrote. And so I'd, I set my alarm every morning for 542 because then you could hit the snooze twice because it was nine minutes, and I'd get up at six. 
And so I had this whole thing planned out, and I had this really old, I mean, this old alarm clock. Like, it, like you turned it, and it changed the dial on the radio, which was cool because you could watch the red thing go back and forth, and it would collect dust in there. And like, you end up with these big dust balls on one side or the other. Anyway, that's got nothing to do with the point, but... I had a dust ball in my alarm clock. How cool is that? So the alarm clock was, you know, now you got these great, great things. You can wake up to your iTunes. You can wake up to, you know, Mandisa singing, it's a good morning, whatever she sings. You know, you can do all that. But back then, like this was so long ago, you could wake up to, ah. that was the noise that my alarm clock made at 542. Ah. And since I was halfway from the front to the back, I was perfectly positioned in my house to wake up everybody. <laughs> like my dad's in the back, my brother's in the back, and like that was in the front. And so I mean, I could wake everybody. That was loud. I mean, you didn't have a lot of volume control. It was it. Was it. Like 542, and that was it. So I always tried to make sure that I turned it off quickly. And so just the layout of my room real quick. Bed is here, which is where I slept. I mean, some of you store things on your bed. I'm just saying that's where you're supposed to sleep. So you need to clean your bed off and sleep there. So bed is here. And then where I'm sleeping on the bed, right next to me is my nightstand. But it's not big enough for the alarm clock. So over here, I had my alarm clock up on the dresser. So, you know, I'm laying there. And it's kind of it's perfectly so I can reach up, hit it twice, up at 6 o'clock. One morning, 542, no kidding. And I went to do this and realized that my arm was asleep. <laughs> and I don't know what you do. Like, I don't, at 542, I don't play with my dead arm. But, like, if I wake up in the morning and my arm's asleep, I am the guy that, like, picks it up and drops it on his chest. You know, I just, because it, it's fun. You know, I, I throw it everywhere and just see what will happen, you know. So I can't do my alarm clock, and I'm starting to panic a little bit because it's 5.42 in like 20 seconds, and it's been 20 seconds. Of, ah. So I reached with my other arm and realized it's also asleep. And so all I've got is I'm in the bed, two dead arms, ah. and all I could think to do was to just drop this arm over and like swing it like a pendulum and just try to get it to go up and hit the thing and fall back down. I hit the thing and I eventually, I, I just hit it finally and turned the alarm clock off. Listen, I learned in that moment that not every part that's visible is the most important part because there's something going on inside my body somewhere. I mean, some nerve is not sending a very important message to some other nerve and my arm is not functioning. Every part plays a part. And the body of Christ is not designed to be carried along by the gifted, great, awesome people. It's a body. Like every part plays a part. That's why it says um, in verse 25, so there should be no division in the body, but that its part should have equal concern. For each other. The truth is that the only way for the body to function correctly is if all the parts function uniquely. So whatever part you play, you gotta play that part. I used to joke with people all the time, like, you know, what's your what's your part in the body of Christ? Dude, I'm absolutely the armpit. I get it. Like some people are like the face and they're just like the body of Christ. And I'm the armpit. 
I just like, you kind of smell bad, but you really can't live without me. Now think about what your body would be like if you did not have armpits. <laughs> you don't think about this often, but I'm going to tell you what it would be like. That. On both sides. You can't put your arm down. You don't have anything like to put it down with. You're walking through doors like this. I mean, you're feeding your friend while they feed you. Right? I don't know what part you play, but play your part. I mean, if I'm the armpit, thankfully there are people in the body of Christ that are probably like deodorant. <laughs> That's a good thing. Let me tell you how you um, practically live out verse 25. How do we practically make sure that we have equal concern for each other? You'll never say this. Oh, he's just fill in the blank. Oh, she's just Phil and Jen couldn't be here this morning because she's at the hospital. What are we going to do? And somebody goes, oh, it's okay. She's just, mm-mm, no, no, no. No, you never say that. You never, that's not equal concern. Equal concern is, oh, that's, oh, they played this. This is the part they play. Oh, we got, who can play that part? I mean, no, no, no conductor looks at his orchestra and says, ah, yeah, the tuba section's gone. Ah, they're just a tuba section. Now he's like, dude, dude, go find me somebody that plays the tuba. That's decent. We've got to get somebody in there. You never say he's just. You never say she's just. Because every part is different. Every part is necessary. And because of that, the third truth is all the more critical. So Every part is different because there's many parts but one body. Every part is necessary because every part plays a part. And the third truth is this. The body is to work together, not drift apart. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 31. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part in it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, I love those people because I am not that person. I am not a detailed person. How many of you are um, type AAA? You've got the triple A's. I love the triple A's because they walk up to me and go, you're killing me, dude. What's the plan? Uh, plan? How do you spell plan? I, I don't know. I love that. Administration, that's a good thing. And those speaking in different kinds of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. Um, I, I want to say this, a statement that I'm going to make, and everybody that's in a relationship, you already know this is true. If you're not intentional about staying together, you will naturally drift apart, right? Relationship people, shake your head like this because you already know it's true. If you're not intentional about staying together, you will naturally drift apart. And here's why. Because we tend to focus on what we're interested in and what we're doing. And so eventually what started as a line of people walking together in the same direction ends up being a bunch of individual people kind of somewhat generally walking in the same direction but not really sure. Because you just get focused on what you do and you kind of, you locked arms and eventually... You kind of loosen up a little bit. and I walked one time. Anybody like the beach? Anybody like midnight walks on the beach? Okay, five of us. Great. Um, 
Okay, six. Thank you. Seven. Thank you. I'm at an auction. This is your time. We should get you up here. I got seven. I got seven. I got eight. I got eight. None. That's enough of that. I'm walking on the beach. My mom was a real big midnight beach walker person. And so every time we went to the beach, at some point during the trip, we all went down and we'd walk on the beach. My mom, my my brother, my sisters. And so one one time we're walking and we all start out together. But as we start walking, like mom's here and then, you know, I'm down in the ocean because, you know, that's where I'm at. And splashing and whatever, and then you know, like my sister, other sister, she's way up on the dunes, and you just kind of, we just poof, dispersed. And eventually, we came back together. I mean, I want you to get this picture. That's what we're talking about. If you don't intentionally stay together, work at staying together, you will naturally drift in your area of passion, in your area of giftedness. All the people that are into evangelism will hang out together. And all the people that are into, you know, prophecy like we had this morning, hang out together. And all the people that have the gift of healing, hang out together. And you don't have this cohesive, hey, we're locking arms and we're going. Because you just start to drift apart. You start to focus on what you do. And Paul knew this. And so he wrote about all these different gifts. And then he asked a bunch of questions. And I don't know if you noticed this or not, but they all have the same answer. No. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. He got it. He's like, do we, do, do we all do the same thing? No. Why don't we do the same thing? Because we're many parts, one body. But every part plays a part. And so we have to stay together so we can go the same direction. And Paul got it. It's like, no, we don't all do the same thing. It requires work on each of our parts in order to stay together. And here's why. Whenever two or more people live or work together, and do we have more than two people here? Thank you. For the one person who apparently had his eyes open when I asked that question. Do we have more than two people here? Okay. So here's just, this is just humanity 101. You ready? Anytime you have more than one or two people together, there will eventually be gaps between what we expect from each other and what we experience with each other. Just because we're human, eventually what you expect from me and what you experience with me is going to cause a gap. Does that make sense? No. <laughs> okay. Married couples. You expected him to mow the grass, and did he? No. There's your gap right there. There's the gap between what we expect and what we experience. Naturally, there's going to be a gap. So the question becomes this. What do we put in that gap? He wrote in, not surprisingly, he finishes this whole chapter on gifts and the body of Christ with the love chapter in, in chapter 13. And here's what Paul writes, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. For the most part, we get all of that. Okay? But Paul says this, verse 7. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always 
always perseveres. And most of us have a hard time with that, myself included. Because when I read it, here's what you start thinking. But if you only knew them, him, her, if you only knew the church that I left, if you only knew what they were really like, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I have to be honest and say this. I was listening to a a sermon by Andy Stanley, and it was about, um, it's about marriage. It wasn't about church. It was about marriage called Staying in Love. And so I I heard him make this statement, and I think it works in this environment as well, okay? Because we're talking about body life. And what I want you to get is this. There is going to come a time when what you expect at the gathering may not line up with what you experience at the gathering. Why is that? Because we're all sinners and whatever? No, because we're human. Because you have an expectation, and sometimes it gets met and sometimes it doesn't. For the same reason why when your husband says, I'll mow the grass, and he doesn't, there's a gap. And here's what Andy Stanley said, and I think it's so critical. I think it's so good. Here's the thing. When there's a gap, you put something. Everybody puts something in the gap. And that's what verse 7 is about. You will do one of two things when there's a gap. You will either believe the best or you will assume the worst. I told you to be practical, right? Because you're like, that's not really a revelation from God. But it actually kind of is. Because all of us do that. We either believe the best or we assume the worst. Um, I can just use myself as an example because I am the guy that tells his wife he'll mow the grass. And, <laughs> and she comes home and she's like, I know that you said you were going to mow the grass. But like you meant this year, right? Because I can't see the house anymore. And I passed it. Uh, I just I saw weeds. The question is, when that gap happens, what does Wendy put in it? God, my mom was right. I've married a lazy, lazy man. That's assuming the worst, right? Believing the best is, God, he's really busy. It must have rained. It's going to rain. The lawnmower's broken. I mean, whatever. And, and all of us struggle with that. What do you put in that gap? When there is an obvious gap between what you expected them to do and what they did. I can tell you what Southern Christians put in the gap. Another church. I mean, is that too honest? It's not. It's the truth. Southern Christians, when there's a gap between what they expected at a church and what they experienced, they insert into that gap a new church. They do not insert into that gap that I will believe the best of my church, that I will go and ask a question of a leader or of a person. Why does this happen? Can you give me some insight? Because, I mean, I love this place. This is my church. This is where I'm digging my heels in. I am locking arms. We're walking one together that way. And, oop, now why aren't we as close as we used to be? Oh, I know why. Because you're talking about me, aren't you? Uh Uh-huh. I see what, yeah, it's all about you, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You think I'm like an indispensable, I'm not indispensable? I get it, yeah. You think of the armpit? Okay, whatever. I'm having a little conversation with the couch here. I'm sorry, it's awkward for y'all. That's what most people do. And then what they do is they go find another church where that person doesn't attend. That's not what this is about. That's not what body life does. Body life says, whoa, we're not so close anymore. What's going on? Let's keep walking. Talk. That's what body life does. 
Does that make sense? You're just saying yes because you want to eat. I know. Love believes the best. Back to the arm. Think about your body. If your arm suddenly doesn't move, my guess is you don't start yelling at your arm. I'm going to guess. I'm just going to take a wild guess here. And if you do, I would just beg of your spouse to video it so we can watch it and become millionaires on YouTube. You can just see you, like me in the bed, right, trying to, like, mad at my arm. You stupid arm! Come on! Let's go! Do you hear the alarm? Jeez. What a waste of space. You don't do that. What do you do? If your arm didn't move for weeks at a time, would you just walk around with it hanging here? Oh, there's the dude. With, there's the, there's the, the two-arm but only one-arm guy. No. What do you do? You go to the doctor. Am I right? I mean, tell me that you go to the doctor. Okay. You do go to the doctor, and you say things to the doctor like, um, do my arm won't move. Does the doctor say, God, you got a stupid arm. Like, I've heard, I've heard about these. I've never seen one. I mean, like, they've written some articles in medical journals about stupid arms. They always have the quotes, like, stupid arm, but I get it. I've never noticed that. I've, I've, and here you are. Can I sit with her? Hey, y'all, get in here. No. What do they do? They run tests to find out why your arm won't move. They don't blame the arm. They figure something's not working the way it's supposed to work. That's what bodies do. When something doesn't go quite right, when it doesn't seem like it's working quite right, and I'm going to go ahead and just say the obvious for you. I'm leading this deal. That's going to happen a lot. Sometimes it's not going to go quite like we planned. And at that point, I mean, if I make you mad with this, you'll have to deal with it. At that point, if this is a family... If this is kind of where we are locked arms, it's just time to get the big boy pants and the big girl pants on and just work it out and start investigating, doing a little test and just finding out why that arm's not working and what is going on. Something's going on with you. There's something wrong. And that's assuming, not assuming the worst, that's believing the best, right? That's going to be somebody saying, I know you. Man, I know that's not how you are. What's going on? investigate, find out. You won't be surprised by gaps anymore. And there are gaps. You'll just simply see them as an opportunity to throw heaps of grace at people who probably need it more than they ever have before. And so we fill the gaps in a way that brings us back together and provides grace for healing. So here's the three points. There are many parts, but one body. Every part plays a part. And the body is to work together, not drift apart. Now, here's the one thing. <laughs> the one thing. I love that. Like, if I told you, I could give you one statement. It's going to sum up the whole thing. This is the, if, I, if you only remember one thing, make sure it's this. This is that statement. Once you write it down, the one thing. When it comes to body life, we need to fill the gaps in a way that wraps. Fill the gaps in a way that wraps. I can see y'all right now. You're like, oh, yeah. 
No. I just spit all in this mic. It was awesome. Not that kind of rap, right? When you see a gap in this church between what you expected and what you experienced, fill the gap in a way that wraps. Like, look, if I break my arm and I go to the doctor, I'm just guessing I'm not medically trained, but I'm pretty sure that they will not look at my arm and make the gap wider. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a break. Let me help you out there. I don't think that's what they do. I think they put it together maybe with a screw or duct tape or super glue, but they, they fill the gap. They wrap that thing up. They hold it in place so that it can heal. That's what bodies do. Why am I saying all this? Because at some point in the next month or two, we're, we're going to actually give you the opportunity to say, you know what, this is where I want to dig my heels in. This is the place. I don't want to just show up on Sunday. I don't want to have no commitment. I want to be a part of a local body of Christ. God is always expressing himself in local bodies. And when that time comes and you say, you know what, man, I'm in here. This is the place. This is what we, this is what we expect to see happen in our body. We expect every single person to play a different part and to play their part. I actually expect people to get disappointed. And where they are, I expect them to fill the gaps in a way that wraps, brings healing, and allows people to grow back closer together. The body will be better because this body will be made up of different and necessary parts that work hard at functioning to their full potential. And that is when the body of Christ is at her best. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the chance to kind of wrap up all this stuff about core values. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, God, we've got, we talked about 14 values. I, I could probably name two that are my favorite. But realistically, so could somebody else, and so could somebody else. And my guess is they wouldn't pick the same two that I pick. And, and all that means, God, is that, you know, as, as this church grows, as we move forward, and we, we all kind of find our part and the, the gifts that you've given us, and we utilize the tools in this, in this church to help us discover how you've gifted us uniquely, where you've placed us in the body. Eventually, God, we're all going to have different areas that we focus on. And because we're passionate about those areas, it's going to be really easy to forget about all the other stuff. God, I thank you that you, you thought about all that. I mean, you designed the body of Christ so that each member has a part to play. And, and I just pray over this place, God. I pray over the gathering as we move forward that we would be known as a church where every part receives equal concern. That when, when one part is is hurting, all of us hurt. That when one part is honored, all of us are honored. God, that we would be a, a church, a family, where, where everyone's indispensable. 
that we never say, oh, they just do this or they just do that. or Well, I know they haven't been back in two months, but yeah, yeah, they're just visitors. Oh, I don't want to be that. We value that. The people, God, that you give us, we want to be a church that values every part in this body so that we can function at our best. I just pray that you would shock the county with the unity they find in this place. That they would literally say, and what a body. What a body. I've got a part that I can play there. And we ask you to do all that, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen.